Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for almost four decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. Today's guest, Kiana Drew, says it best with, you're really only as strong as your foundation. She uses this mentality to help manage her diabetes and her newly diagnosed T1D daughter. But before we dive in, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just click the donate link in the show notes. Number two, my affiliate and resources page feature reputable brands and services that make life with diabetes a more pleasant one. You can find all the deals at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. Sign up for the e-newsletter. Leave an iTunes review. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. All right, let's get started. All right, Kiana, welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. And I have to say right off the bat that we connected, gosh, in March of this year, 2022, and we're just finally able, we're able to get our calendars to connect. And so I'm happy to have you as a guest. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's always nice to talk to you talk to somebody with diabetes in my mind. It's always just like a, let's just chat. And so I want to start with where are you located? And then I want you to tell me just a little bit about your diagnosis story. Okay. So I'm located in New Jersey. I actually live in Montclair, New Jersey. And as far as diabetes, I've been living with diabetes for 22 years. So I think we're going into 23 because I was diagnosed a few days before my birthday and my birthday is next week. So oh. we'll be up on a diversary. And it's so funny that even uh, I have like a lucky number. I saw that I'm episode 122. Yeah. 22, the number that shows up everywhere. So I, oh. I have an episode with my lucky number. In. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, but I was diagnosed somewhere around that, you know, tail end of July. And I remember coming out of the hospital right before... I think it's the day before my birthday. Yay. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I know, right? What a gift. <laughs> Not. Um, and I had no idea, like most people who were diagnosed with diabetes, how much diabetes would impact my life, mm. the way it would impact my life, and the journey that was ahead of me. At such a young age, I was just uh, at 21 years old, legal drinking age. My parents had just kind of left at the curfew because they still lived at home with my folks. Yeah. Hang out later. You know, now it's okay. I guess you're an adult. And I do remember the day after of course, it was my birthday and my parents decided to go get me a car. And they took me to the car dealership and I picked out a car and I was really excited about it. And in the dealership, as they were about to sign on the dotted line for my new car, I had my first low blood sugar. Mm. And no one in the hospital told me or prepared me for what it was I was going to feel. How did you know in that situation? So how like, obviously, you can, you felt your low, like, what, what was going on in your mind? Was it like a holy shit moment? Or what are we, what are we talking? It was, um, I, it was an outburst, anxiety. Yeah. The shakes. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, my parents were looking at, what's wrong with you? Cause I just yelled at them and I said, I don't want this. I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to leave now. And I couldn't explain the fact that I was being irrational. Yeah. And 
then I thought to myself, you know, let me check my blood sugar. And I was in fact having a low and it was my first one and I was in fifties. Yeah. So I was a bit, I was, I wasn't myself. That was my first time. Yeah. You know, that reaction. And again, did you get, did you get the car? I didn't. I decided, and that too, I decided not to get the car. But in hindsight, and every time I tell this story, I'm like, I'm happy I didn't get the car because there was no way I was going to be prepared for a low behind the wheel. Oh, no way at that age when I think about it. Yeah. Understanding, you know, how things can go from zero to 60 really quick, where when you've had diabetes for a while, we'll look at our CGMs and say, I'm at 70, but I'm not coming back up. <laughs> I think I'm feeling like we know our bodies enough to say, do I need to take you know, action right now. Right. At that time, I had no idea. I had no idea that I, how many times I needed to check. I mean, I was very like, so it's so funny too. Let me just say with that, like, because we both just were looking at our Dexcoms, our numbers. And I, and I think about those times when I was only testing like twice, maybe three times a day. So behind the wheel, I didn't even think about it, but we were just able to, you know, you just took a few units of insulin. My sensor just up, yeah, calibrated. So now I know where I'm at. So it's just such a, the advances in technology to make life with diabetes an easier one, wouldn't you say? Most definitely. The de- a Dexcom was a game, a, a game changer for me yeah. as well as, you know, Tandem as well. I, I've used Tandem, I've used Omnipod and that took things to another level, but I didn't get on any of these tools for, I had already had diabetes for about 12 years before I, I had any of those tools. And that's also because I was heavily in the music industry. Once again, young, feeling invincible, yeah. thinking about my diabetes, just thinking about making all of my dreams come true as an artist. And so I had decided very early on, as long as I can remember, I want to sing, I want to act, I want to do what I want to do. So I went to go do that. I decided not to go to college. Didn't know if that was for me. Mm-hmm. One of those people went to college much later in life. <laughs> and that's, it's, and to tell you the truth, diabetes inspired that, that diabetes. <laughs> made me go back to school because I found a new passion and that was helping other people with diabetes to get to where I finally got to much sooner. Uh, yeah. 10 years of just going through the motions, you're diagnosed, you're thinking, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe there's a cure. Maybe I can cure myself. And then, you know, you go to Google <laughs> and then you're just like, let's try the cinnamon. Let's try the bitter melon. And let, I mean, at the time I was living in in New York, not New York City, but I lived in Brooklyn in Park Slope because it was very easy for me to go, get on the train and go to auditions. Mm-hmm. And I would go to places. I remember someone telling me because I was working as a waitress in Manhattan and there was an, an Indian guy who said to me, have you ever tried bitter melon? You should try that because it'll cure it. And I'm like, where is this? What does it look like? He's like, it's a green vegetable and you can get it on the upper. You can get it like you got past Harlem and he told me what train to <laughs> I will never forget feeling so lost in New York, getting on this train, looking for this vegetable. The cure. The cure. <laughs> I did. I was that person who went to go get the vegetable. It looks very weird to me. And then I was like, I don't even know how to cook this. And I found it at a whole, at um, one of those natural food stores. Yeah. The tincture. And I'm like, oh, this really did work. I was still in the honeymoon phase. But, you know, as we all find out, once we decide to try everything underneath the sun to see what works, yes, it will make you more insulin sensitive. It's something right. that you can the supplement, but it is not a cure and you will still need to take your insulin. Well, that's why I was going to be my next question is you continue your insulin regimen through the, 
Yeah. I, That's, I, yeah. So it, it's a combination and I think it's good that you try to list things out so that you would know. I, at the end of the day, no matter what, still have to take insulin to survive. I mean, it's in fact. So let's talk about your professional career during that period of time, because you had a quite a run in the music industry at that time and you were young. So talk about that a little bit. Yes. Incredible moments and opportunities that I had. So I started out just uh, artist development with a producer in writing songs and learning more about just my my gift. Yeah. Honing in on it when I first started out. And then I became a part of a girl group. And uh, that girl group, we ended up performing for so many different record labels and huge record execs. I was just telling someone the other day who was talking about Clive Davis. And I just way back because I was like, yeah, I performed for Clive Davis. And they were like, what? He's an OG in the game. And I'm like, is he still in the game? Like, I felt bad because I'm like, he's been around for a really long time. (laughs) But I remember being in that boardroom with the long table, him all the way at the other end and me with my other two group members and performing for him and him saying with his raspy voice. (laughs) (laughs) But I performed for Clive Davis, uh, P. Diddy, Jay-Z. I had the opportunity to work with Missy Elliott and uh, stayed in her house for some time as one of her acts that she was developing. And, you know, one thing I will say about the music industry, you know, sometimes you see the most talented people and then they don't ever get the the break that you think that they should have, right? And there are just so many different factors that come into play. And you really are as strong as your foundation. And when there are so many players in the mix, sometimes the artists, their voice itself gets drowned out. I hate that. I, I would say that's, you know, a bit of what happened. And then also... Being in a place where I was so young and not understanding more of the idea or the mentality that people have today. I don't mm. need anyone's approval to be great. Yeah. Someone to tell me you're good. Just go do what your heart yeah. is calling you to do. Um, but at that time, I felt like I needed to have Clive Davis say or. Yeah. I, and I did. I had, you know, many different influential artists that I was able to work with. Um, and then eventually, because of the music business, it's not so much about the artistry, but it's the, yeah. right? I got to a place where I'm like, I just want to see real people. And so I auditioned for American Idol. And that was after meeting and and actually being signed to Arista Records. I had a song on the radio that did very well too. Mm-hmm. Wendy Williams at the time was a radio disc jockey and she would play the song every day at the same time. And she asked us to come into the studio. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. But after all of that, I said, okay, let's try American Idol. And I stood in line, thousands of people in New Jersey. And I was part of, out of, gosh, hundreds of thousands of people that had auditioned. I was part of 200 that made it to Hollywood. Oh, nice. At that time, all the original judges were there. So yeah, I'm in, Randy. <laughs> I got to do that. I, I didn't make it all the way, of course, to um, the big stage, but I did make it to the group round and got the opportunity to sing with the group. And Well, that's, let me ask something on that. So you're, let's, let's just say the time that you were in Hollywood and then also the time that you spent in Miss Elliott's home and I'm sure life was very busy during those periods of time. How did you, were you staying on top of your diabetes or was it kind of in the background? 
in the background, but I can't even say in the background. So what was going on, no one had a clue about was that I was open with people to and would share that I do have diabetes because I would you know, give myself injections and these were people that I spent every day with. So yeah. I wanted them to be aware. And it's it looked seemingly to them that I was on top of it and I was taking care of it. But what they didn't know is that I actually had a serious eating disorder that was um, associated with or just um, not taking my insulin. Yeah, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, so the term for that would be diabulimia? Yes, there's a medical term for it as well too, but, you know, the diabetes only has coined it diabulimia. And I essentially, because I was around beautiful people all the time and needed to keep up with the Joneses. And yeah. I've had uh, people say, you know, you just need to lose five more pounds or maybe another 10 pounds. Uh, it was an ongoing thought <sighs> in my mind. And then I knew that when I took my insulin, well, when I was initially diagnosed, I had lost a lot of weight. So you put, you put the pieces together. The pieces together. And so I stopped taking the insulin. I would also take um, diuretics. I would take um, yeah little softeners and things of that sort, anything to have me shed some of the weight. So anytime I knew that I was going to go meet with a record exec or I had a photo shoot or any of that, in the back of my mind, I was also preparing to do some serious harm to myself Yeah, for a certain picture that I was trying to attain. And I made myself very sick. I was in the ICU twice. Mm. And my mental health was so bad at that time when it came to the to the disorder that my last time in the ICU, I remember my doctor saying to me, you could have died. Yeah. I didn't really understand the, how serious and how real that could be until she said that to me. Right. I broke a breakdown and I started to break down and cry. And the thought I had in my head was, so I have to figure out continue to do this and not die it's so crazy and I have to say and that's not a disrespectful comment to you it's just you know I was diagnosed so young at age eight and I'm so thankful that I did not put those pieces together in the years where you hated your body where I hated my body and you know high school and everybody could work out and be thin I'm just and I'm glad that we're having these conversations not to inspire anybody, but to hopefully deter them from you realize valuable lessons throughout that process. And so what pulled you out of that besides that? Okay, so now they really said to you, this this could have killed you. Not that diabetes in itself, we were given a death sentence, you know, some of us. What was that the turning point? It wasn't the turning point for me. Like I said, my mind was just, it wasn't there. I was thinking, how can I continue to do this and not die? What I did was fast forward some years later, I opened up to someone about what it was I was going through because at that time there was no diabetes online community that I right. knew. And I knew I was doing something wrong. I just didn't have a name for it. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times when we have a name for something, you know, anyone, any type of chronic illness, you're just feeling sick, you're feeling off, you don't know what it is. But when the doctor tells you it's this, there's almost a little bit of a relief because you're like, I know I have a name to go with a yeah. It, so if you can name it, you can tame it. I oh. had no name for what it is that I was going through. And um, I, I just suffered with it for just way too long. And the turning point and where I began to make a change was when I became pregnant. 
Oh. So that was years later because my, my last stay at the end in the hospital due to D- DKA from diabetes was in 2006, I believe, or t- 2005, 2006. And my daughter was born in 2011. So in 2011, I had a moment where I was like, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to fight. I got to fight. And I want to say a month and a half, two months after daughter. And then that gave me the extra push because I said, well, even if I can't really feel like doing this for me, I'm going to do this for her. Yeah. So once I became pregnant, the only thing I thought about and was laser focused was making sure like homeostasis was yeah. happening where she was growing. And my A1C, I remember when I got pregnant was in the 12s. Oh, wow. In the 12s. I remember my doctor being very upset with me. <laughs> Number was like, what are you doing? And no one was putting pretty pieces. Yeah. Everyone's thinking, oh, you're non-compliant or you're just not caring. And it wasn't. It was a whole nother monster that needed attention so that I could get to the level of where yeah. my diabetes. And so I went from that 12 to a 5.2 by the Oh, wow. Born. So I was just very just vigilant. And at the time, like I said, I didn't do the CGM or any of um, the devices until a couple of years after that. So I was pricking my my finger about 15 times a day. Yeah. That was the first time because I would go months. I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. know that number because that number, I wasn't trying to deliberately hurt myself. But if I were to see a, a high number, I would have taken insulin. Yeah. It's, it's, so I would purposely not check my blood sugar so that I can go around living the lie. You know, yeah. I, just, I, I don't need anything to take me off the goal of trying to be thin. So you, you have your first daughter and pregnancy went well. I mean, we're, if all people with diabetes, it's a high risk pregnancy. So I know. And I, I was in that doctor towards the end, like every week, every, like twice a week. But it was healthy pregnancy. I did have a C-section, but that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Uh, diabetes. And everything was great. She was born on Christmas Day. So it was like, <laughs> I was so happy. It, it was amazing because I, I just, even coming from where I was just busy in, in the entertainment industry, I never knew if motherhood was in. Yeah. I knew that that was something I wanted. But I'm like, I don't know if that's going to coincide with all of this. <laughs> I, so it was beautiful. And I want to say about a month after having her, one thing I noticed, I, I had lost weight while I was pregnant. Um, mm. And I didn't need as much insulin there. But once I had her, I thought to myself, because I had been a bit smaller, I wonder if I, if I can get any because that, oh, oh gosh, I'm still active. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like a person who's, I'm used to drinking, but I'm pregnant. So I'm not going to drink. So I'm like, yeah. I'm pregnant. I'm going to take my insulin, but now I'm not. So let's get back to, you know, getting ourselves the way we want to look. Oh man, that breaks my heart. So, um, and then I continued with that, became pregnant for the second time. And with my second is where I said, stop. And I had a real conversation with myself. I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror. Uh, and this is something that I tell people that I coach and I mentor. Look at yourself in the mirror. Like eye to eye. Tell yourself what you need to hear. Be honest with yourself. And I said, you're going to Yeah. You're going to die. Do you, what does that look like to you? And 
It looked like my kids not having a mom. Yeah. It looked like all of the life that I could live and all that I could be was never going to be. Yeah. I can't have that be my story. Yeah. So fight. And I fought every day. And the only thing that I thought about at that time, I said, stop thinking about being thin. Start thinking about being healthy. Yeah. What does that look like to you? Yeah, I think that's very well said. And okay, that's what I did. So you have two daughters. And what are their ages? 10 and 8. And I'm, I've said this to a group of girlfriends recently. You all have children. I do not. And we were talking about taking photos. And they're like, oh, I've got to do this angle. I've got to put on my lipstick, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, just be in the picture. You're And like how we talk about ourselves, they're listening. And I've said that to my own mother recently. I was like, mom, yeah, no, you. So I'm glad that you have come to this realization. And hopefully that energy is then moving on to your girls and they'll continue to radiate that self-love and self-worth. So good on you for that, for realizing it and being an advocate uh, not only for the diabetes community, but for anyone struggling with these types of things. And so I want to go into your daughter. Okay, so we all have to manage our own diabetes. It's a difficult, it's a full-time job, but your, one of your daughters was recently diagnosed with type 1. So let's talk about that. You, how did you recognize it? Was it like, oh shit, she just lost a bunch of weight and I needed, we need to get on this? Yes. Uh, so she was showing signs. I caught it early enough because I, I know the signs, but I yeah. have to be honest. I want to say when I, the first time she wet the bed, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this is odd. How old was she? She was, she just turned 10 uh, after she was diagnosed. So, so she was nine, almost 10. Yeah. Because I, I caught it pretty early on. Yeah. And I was a mom who every physical, I would ha- make the doctor check their A1C. Yep. And I saw that it was creeping up, but the doctor didn't. She said, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. She's 5.7. She's 5.6. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable with that. And they're like, well, she is a little bit heavier. And I'm like, maybe she has some insulin resistance going on. Right. It's happening. Then COVID happened. And we all got COVID. And I hadn't taken her for her physical. So she missed like two physicals. Yeah. That she would have had. Now, when she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed a little bit before her physical that I was like, she has to have this physical blood work or anything checked because we've been indoors due to COVID. And her doctor didn't have any um, appointments available. So she really gave me one which like months out and like, this is crazy, but okay. And then boom, she ends up being, you know, diagnosed with diabetes, but the bedwetting was the first alarm for me. And I would check her blood sugar every so often, like first thing in the morning. And I'm like, okay, it seems like it's all right. It was one time when she was younger that I remember seeing her at like 1.30 and I'm like, is that okay for a kid? I remember calling right. her like, I'm so worried about that. And specifically in Lily, who is my oldest, who's 10. But fast forward, I didn't check her blood sugar that night or that day. She's just like, mom, I was having a dream and you know, it was an accident. And I'm like, okay, so we left it. And then it seemed like it might've happened one more time. I remember her saying like, oh, I think I'm sweating a lot. Mm. And I think she was very embarrassed. Yeah. Her. She was just trying to like, I don't know. And I'm like, are you wet? I remember having a moment, but a few, it was within that week, waking up like I normally do in the middle of the night to have a glass of water, check my blood sugar. It's like, right. She wakes up and she's like, can I have some? 
And I'm like, sure. And then she drank it really fast with her eyes closed and signaled like for another glass. And she just said, that's a sign right there. That's right. I was like, my heart dropped. Yeah. Noticed that she had lost weight. I mean, it wasn't extreme. Yeah. But she was indoors with COVID. This was her first year back to school full time. So yeah. she's active now. Right. She had gained weight because she was indoors on yeah. doing at home learning. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything of it until that night. And, uh, or it was like early. I checked her blood sugar and she was 355. Oh, God. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So I remember going outside to make a phone call to my mom and I just cried. Oh, yeah. Cried. And, and then I dried my eyes and I said, all right, let's let's take care of it. Yeah. We know what we got to do. I took one to school. And then Lily said to me, she's like, does this mean I have diabetes too? And I'm like, most likely there's definitely something happening, uh, but we're going to find out exactly what's happening when we go to the doctor. She's like, does that mean don't have to go to school today? <laughs> You're like, you want to go to school, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> right. Every time in school. Yeah, you'll prefer that over this. <laughs> we went to the hospital and she was there for about three days. They sent her home. They were really confident in my ability to well, yeah. Take care of her. When she said when when she said to you, does that mean I have diabetes too? Was it like was she sad about it or just curious? Like the funny thing is, she was not. I think because she is used to hearing me talk about it. Yeah. She knows my friends. She's like, here, this is what you do. Yeah. Diabetes. So, but also not really understanding the impact. Still, she's only ten. Yeah. I do remember one thing. We had sent over. Just, I tried to give her a quick lesson, and I said, "All right, we're gonna go to the doctor." But I just want to let you know, even though you have diabetes, and I'm not gonna lie to you and say that it's not hard, you know things about this already. I said, yeah. "Do you know what I take when my blood sugar is high?" She's like, "Insulin." I'm like, "Exactly." I said, "Do you know how I may feel when my blood sugar is low?" She's like, "You're not nice." <laughs> Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. That's true. And I said, well, when my blood sugar is high, do you know what brings it down? She's like, insulin. I'm like, yeah. And what else? She's like, exercise. I'm like, exactly. I said, you already have some of the, you know, you know some stuff. So that's going to be helpful. And everything else that you don't know, I'm right here with you. And we're going to do it together. So she's like, okay, you know, I'm ready. Yeah. Doctor, the only thing she's thinking about is snacks. Like when she starts to realize her snacks are compromised, she's this is a problem. <laughs> teriyaki, and I'm like, well, the teriyaki sauce is loaded with sugar. Yeah, she wants boba tea, and she never she would have pizza, but not on a regular basis. But now she's craving more because there's that. I mean, I can't do it. That I can't do it, so you want to do it. Oh yeah. Well, you know. It's a balance. I have some days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this today. Yeah. Just in general in parenting, sometimes you're, you're tired of negotiating with your kids. That's <laughs> extra negotiation with someone who has diabetes. And she's like, well, if I get on the trampoline, can I have a cookie? And I'm just like, yeah, trying to balance. Well, it's good that she even thinks about it to that degree. I mean, because I've tried to get her to think about, you know, yeah. we're not going to have all of this and then we're going to sit and play on the iPad. Yeah. Also trying to reframe the stories and the narrative that I had about 
certain foods or if I ate this, what it would do. Yeah. Or if I took my insulin, what it would do. And she's heard my story about insulin and diabetes. She said to me, she's like, well, the insulin, you know, she's in this stage two where her, you know, she wants to look good. Up and she's like, yeah. what is going on here? She's like, is it the insulin? Because I heard you talk about that. Mm. I said, no, really. I said, when we grow up, you know, boys and girls, we change. And there are a lot of different changes that go on. Yes. But, you know, there was something interesting because she does have, you know, those times where she's just like, I don't look like that. Yeah. No matter what, we all compare ourselves, whether we're yeah. comparing ourselves to someone's, you know, financial status or something or, 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 their, or how they're, or how they look. She's just in that place where she's just like, well, I don't look like this girl in school and I, I have curly hair or I'm, you know, the tallest in my class or I, yeah. trying to get her to be comfortable in her own skin. And I think that's a hard Oh, it's hard for all kids. I mean, everybody, and especially when you, I mean, adding a chronic illness makes it a lot much more of a challenge. Yes. And so, you know, just telling her that not to talk badly about herself. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was one thing that stood out. She had mentioned to, I don't know if you, if you know who, her name is Tiana. Oh, yeah. Tiana. And she said the most beautiful thing because she said, Lily, I had mentioned something about like, well, I think I might have too much weight here, or I think I might that. And when she does, she's having, you know, which of course I'm petrified. I'm just like, I, I know what this is. Yeah. You know? I've been there and trying to give her the right words. But Tiana said something so beautifully. She was like, don't talk about yourself that way. She's like, would you ever say that? To-? Yeah. And my daughter said, no. She's like, why would you say that to yourself? That's so well said. Oh, how beautiful was that? And I saw my daughter have an aha moment. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter will say things to me like, oh, you're just my mom. So you're just kind of going to love me. <laughs> my mom. Yeah. <laughs> we have our moments, you know, where there are breakthroughs and then there are times where she's her preteen. And yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So I've said to parents when they are talking about managing their child's type 1 diabetes, that that job is I can't imagine. I mean, I cannot imagine because you're having to keep somebody alive, whether, I mean, whether they have diabetes or not, but that is another layer of uh, complication. Do you allow her to fully take charge of her diabetes? Or I don't like the words helicopter parent, but are you floating around just making sure she's doing what you think she should? Right. So there, <laughs> it's a balance. It's yeah. time to don't get it right. Sometimes I have moments, just like I think any parent will say, I could have handled that. <laughs> Right. That better. And I, you know, and there's always another opportunity to do so. I have a very, you know, open dialogue with my daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful she does talk to me. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's a bit too sassy. But (laughs) (laughs) with most kids, I'm sure. Are you? But, you know, we do. uh, She speaks the truth and she tells me what's on her heart. And I do trust her to take care of herself. But I also know that she is navigating a new space here. Yeah. A 10 year old. So there's finding that balance of being the helicopter parent. Cause she mm-hmm. has moments where she'll say to me, mommy lecturing me. And she's such a jokester. Like I'll say, did you take your insulin? Like I see you. And she's like, no, mom, I'm going to eat all this. And I'm actually not going to take any insulin. <laughs> get snarky with you. She loves to just kind of get under my skin sometimes. <laughs> and then I'll see her take her insulin. Um, there are times where she's at camp at the moment she's going to a theater camp. Yeah. And, you know, I'll send her a text and say, see that you're going up, but you might be going down. She's like, yeah, mom. Yeah. 
That's great. Yeah, that's going to be like a win <laughs> for a parent for sure. Yes. Yeah, this is her first time actually taking on the responsibility herself. So I will pack her lunch and I'll say, these are the cards and this is the math. Yeah. Get it. And if you decide to go to this, to this shop and get chips, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That if it's 15 cards to do, you know, yeah, talk about it. And the other day, you know, she had great blood sugars and she's like, yeah, I had chips. And I was like, how many cards were the chips? She's like, I got it. There's only 15 carbs. I took the one unit. I'm good. <laughs> so is she on daily injections or is she using a pump? Yes. Okay. MDI. And I purposely wanted her to be on MDI. Sometimes the doctor did try to get the Omnipod right away. Now that I'm thinking about, it, I probably should have just, you know, just had it, but I just wanted her to navigate. She needs to learn how to use Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because if there's ever, she's ever in a place where I have been in that place where I didn't have health insurance and I had to. Yes. Just, very hard time for me. I wanted to know that you could still do it. Yeah. That'd be harder, but you can still do it. So I want her to have a memory of her. Yeah. Trying to learn that early. Well, so I have two last questions for you. And I ask all of my guests this. Number one, do you feel like you received proper education upon diagnosis and throughout the years moving forward with the disease from the medical community? Do you feel like they gave you the right information? Yeah. It's a common, common answer. Why do you say that? Is there any, any section in particular of that question that, or example? Uh, I think really just, and this is no shame against the medical community. Yeah. These are experts, excuse me. These are experts, but they're more just science based. Yeah. And teaching us about like carbs, counting, mm. medication. But what is managing diabetes? Is right. it really? day to day. Yeah. How do you deal with different parts or chapters, journey in life and diabetes? So if you're diagnosed as a kid, how do you get, you know, how do you navigate now having more responsibility and managing your blood sugars on your own? Yeah. What does that look like when you're in college and everyone is doing what they do in college? Yeah. Now that you're in a relationship, how do you share that with your spouse where they can understand and really support you and it goes on and on from like motherhood and you yeah, know, all of those things and so I feel like what's missing and this is why I decided to get into this space to help people and mentor and coach people is because they're I think it is so important to speak with people with lived experience yes I'm in I feel like there there is no is better working with a coach or is it better working with a dietitian no everyone everyone matters they yeah. this, all, you should always have someone um, who is a part of your healthcare team who is speaking to the pieces that are nuanced. Yeah. So you have your medications and then you have your mindset and, and all the other factors. And all of those pieces, those pieces, right. So I think it would have been just such, I would say, uh, I just would have been equipped. I feel like I was missing some type of armor that people need to put on, get ready. I get that. Well, I will say that's one of the reasons, well, the main reason why I started the Diabetes Daily Grind was because no one told me how to, in the medical community, what it would be like to go to Europe, have your time zones flipped up and how to go through rush when you're not eating, you know, you're stressed out, you're gym, and there's so many factors there. And so it's, learn. that's my passion, my drive to keep this going is because it's conversations like this that somebody made here. They're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have, it's. 
I'm going to say better heard from somebody who's lived it or living it mm-hmm. because you walk the walk and you know, our medical community are doing, the, they're doing the best that they can, but they don't know what it's like to have a hypo in the middle of the night and sweat through their clothing and, you know, just right. you, you want to talk to people about it. And then, okay, the second question that I have for you, and I think probably because where you're located, this shouldn't be a problem, but do you have access to healthy foods like fresh fruits and vegetables within a two mile radius? Yes, I do. Thankfully. I yeah. Can. Huh? I do. So I remember I actually had someone ask me a question yesterday about if about what I eat in a day and <laughs> what's it like now that I want to see and I've had diabetes for so long and then my understanding of like nutrition when I was younger. And I'm like, oh, I thought just because I ate foods that I ate healthy. <laughs> the fact that I had Coke and I would eat cinnamon buns and dinner to the to the movie theater and chips and but I'm like, yeah, but I also eat salmon and yeah. Uh, so no clue, no idea. But I always, you know, had access. My mom would always, you know, cook vegetables. But, you know, I didn't grow up with, I actually grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within a system where, you know, people don't have much. So yep. as far as there being a grocery store nearby, there wasn't. But, you know, I lived predominantly um, in a Hispanic community. Did you have a car? Did your parents have a car so you could drive to the grocery? Okay. To the grocery, but we had like a bodega. Yeah. And one thing I will say about the Hispanic community, you'll find some fresh fruits in the bodega because they kind of take the island food. They will find the, you know, the onions and the limes and everything. Additional foods. So I do, you know, recall that, but I, it's funny that, you know, you even asked me that question because the people that I do work with and I mentor are people who live in some deserts. Oh, yeah not know where to begin or how to get healthy food. I kind of just start right where they are talking about how to gain access. If I yeah. don't need as well as, you know, if you are going to go get something from Wendy's or McDonald's, yeah. anything that's, you know, this is a better option for yeah. you, not the best option. But if our goal is to keep our sugars in range, let's, let's work with what you have. I love that because you're not shaming anybody. You're giving them the the mindset that, okay, there's nothing wrong with this and I'm going to make a better choice for myself. And, and that's why I love what you're doing with your advocacy and all of, all of your information will be in the show notes because you're so involved in things. And I want to thank you for being a guest. And, um, I look forward to all the future projects we're going to be working on together. I'm working on, I know I'm working on some music right now for the diabetes community. So yes, go to qiqdrew.com. That's my website, qiqidrew and I will have some music up there soon. I have one song that uh, is my single now, but it's not associated with the music that I'm doing for the diabetes community. So I'm really excited about. Well, I can't wait to hear it. I'm always into new music and um, yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I totally dig Kiana's energy and the way in which she shares her journey with diabetes. She's walked the walk and is an incredible role model for her newly diagnosed T1D daughter. Before I wrap up, I have a few quick reminders. Number one, don't forget to visit my resources and affiliate page for killer discounts. If you'd like to join this list of reputable brands, just hit us up at Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com for details. Number two, I know you're listening and thank you. So be kind and throw a little change my way. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. All you have to do is click on the donate link in the show notes. And finally, 
I'm here for my diet peeps and the medical community. So feel free to contact me on any social media platform or directly at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I'm